Hey, thank you to Helix for sponsoring this podcast. Adam has had his Helix mattress for almost a year now, and he's loving it. It's it's actually hard to get him up. In fact, he won't stop talking about it. You'll understand what we mean when he goes into detail. Thank you for the detail, Adam, later on the episode. But for now, we want to tell our listeners about a special deal going on. Our Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and... As if that's not enough, two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet, and I'll bet it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Is everybody ready? I'm ready. Yeah. All right. I like this. Coming to you live from our houses in Los Angeles, California, it's Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, your cold open free comedy field guide to life. (laughs) Tonight, we talk a lot about Paula becoming a spot welder or a park ranger or a high paid call girl with a heart of gold who tells herself again and again that it's not personal but can't help notice how much she looks forward to her nights with Lord Denton and... More for the conversation than anything, really. Just silly things, like the way his eyes light up when he talks about horses and that boyish smile that creeps across his face and crinkles the mysterious scar on his left cheek. And uh, Anyway, we talk about Paula changing her life, but how exactly do you make such a big change? Well, maybe you ask our pal Jill Schlesinger, whose new book, The Great Money Reset, Change Your Work, Change Your Wealth, Change Your Life, is out now feels like she wrote it just for us. And speaking of wise words, let's talk about ones that were never spoken. Yes, after last week's delay, Miss Quote Party is back on the menu. I'm Adam Felber, this show's life coach, ably guiding each client episode into a more fulfilling and positive conversational direction. And now, please welcome our show's equivalent of a classic disruptor. But instead of changing the course of our industry through bold innovation and reinvented paradigms, she mainly uses non sequiturs and balloon animals. It's Paula Poundstone. Yeah. Hey, you guys. Welcome, Paula. And welcome back to tonight's house band, Andra Bonnet on the flute. Links to Andra's music can be found at her website, andrabonet.com. That's A-N-D-R-A-B-O-H-N-E-T.com, which I'm not going to spell for you. I'm not. What's new, Paula Poundstone? You know, I keep this uh, notebook, my receipt notebook. Perhaps I've spoken of it before. I tape in the receipts of everything I I purchase. I write down every penny I spend and every uh, penny I earn. And there's four days per page, usually. I found for the last few pages, you won't be surprised that I wrote the year down incorrectly. Oh, yeah. Right? Because it's January and blah, 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 blah. Sure, But here's the part that might surprise you. I've been writing 2020. Yeah. What were you writing up until January? 2022. And then you just kind of slipped through a wormhole into 2020. I do think there might be time travel, but you know what would really suck is if there is, and I traveled to 2020, (laughs) you know, 
Like, I mean, if you're going to time travel, like, I, I mean, I would like to go to, like, the, the covered wagon times, I think. Or maybe way in the future and live with the Robinson family and lost in space. Uh, but the idea that I get a chance to time travel and I return to the year, right, where we do January 6th again. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah I'll see it all coming. I say, Don't go in that revolving door. <laughs> Hey, let me uh, send this around the horn because we have a chance to greet everybody. You know, we used to do cold opens on this show where we kind of met people a little bit. And they that was themselves. way back. That was back in 2020, which is tomorrow. Yeah, uh, we don't yeah. do them now. <laughs> hey, but let's talk to our cast of characters. I first want to head up to that Simi Valley to your manager, our producer, tricked out in new tech. I see her in those AirPods right there. Bonnie Burns, what's new? Well, we just got raincoats for our dogs. We put them on and we put that little hood that they come with on and they have the most miserable looks on their faces. Aww. I can't blame them. I, you don't seem <laughs> like the type of person who would get a raincoat for your dog. But it's been raining. I don't have a raincoat for me. Okay, that I wouldn't do. I wouldn't have a raincoat. I wouldn't carry an umbrella. I'm from Seattle and we thought people who... Carried umbrellas, wore raincoats, were dwarks. Notice I said dwark. Yeah, I agree. It's a combo of dweeb and dork. I just came up with that. Yeah. Well, it's going to take off. It's going to, that's going to go viral. Bonnie, so you put these coats on your dog. Because it's been pouring rain. Yeah. And of course, dogs have never been wet before. Well, uh, do you take Mo out for a walk in the rain? Yeah. We walk in the rain. Oh. Yeah. Mine don't like that. And then you know what happens? What? They, they come home and they dry off. But here's this thing I wanted to ask you guys. Okay, so, you know, we have, like, the declutter lady coming, and right, she's been helpful, too, in kind of organizing us with our habits because our habit was— I can't believe she let you buy raincoats for your dogs. <laughs> she didn't know about that. <laughs> the <far>. clutter lady. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. So anyway, Did you have to go into the bathroom and order them or something so that the organizer didn't know? Like no. she's in the other room going through your kid's art and you're in the bathroom going, yeah, and like a size small dog raincoat. Yeah. Uh, and the one with the rainbow on it. <laughs> can, I, can I, as a footnote to our listeners, Bonnie has seen a declutter person. That person is going to appear on our show. She'd be great. I mean, she really has a lot of tips. I can't believe she'd be in any shape to talk to us after she decluttered your house. No, I think she's having fun. She brought a, a designer friend with her a couple of days ago just to see if that person had some ideas. And we laughed and talked and blah, blah, blah. And the next time the organizer later came back, she said, can I just tell you, my friend thinks you're the coolest person. She wants to, like, go out to lunch with you and everything. There must be a probably 30-year age difference between us. Is she that old? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I thought that was flattering because, you know, to me, an older yeah. person, yeah. I'm trying to get to what I was going to talk about, which is, you know, those no, but I think the idea that you're going to go to lunch with a hundred year old designer yeah. is so wonderful. It's so nice. Okay. Yeah. That's you know a beautiful the, story. Okay. 
So one of the things a declutter person did was take all my, my daughter really likes to cook. So she took all her oils and, you know, whatever bunch of seasonings she uses a lot and put them on one of those spinny things, you know, that you spin around. Yeah, Lazy Susan, yeah. Lazy Susan. All your Oreos? No, the, well, you could put Oreos on there. Oils. Oils. Okay. So we called it a Lazy Susan Sure. That's because it's called the Lazy Susan. Right. So we called it a Lazy Susan. My mom called it a Lazy Susan. This declutter person is probably about 35, 40. So I say, do they still call it a Lazy Susan? And she said, I think they've come up with a new word for that because politically, it's probably not correct. Yeah. Yeah, actually. (laughs) um, In richer circles, it's called a Lazy Susan. (laughs) Yeah, what a strange question. Do they? Yeah, no, I don't think they've changed it. I believe it's still called a lazy suit. So I thought it was kind of interesting about it being politically incorrect. Okay, then she said, Oh, you know what you guys should do on your podcast? Why don't you like say things that aren't appropriate to say anymore? Which we could walk right into a big line of trouble right now. Honestly, yeah, yeah that's a terrible <laughs> idea. Oh, and she gave me a couple. She said, oh, you know how we said Jew it down. People said Jew it down. That wasn't very nice. I'm like, no, it wasn't. <laughs> but I don't even think they've come up with a substitute for that. It was so bad. There's just no substitute for Jews. No, because if you're associating being cheap with a group of people, then it doesn't matter what... <laughs> That's, That's the true. mistake. Yeah. It doesn't matter what other words you use for it, so long as you have that same sort of uh, uh, prejudiced, stereotypical idea. It's not a matter of selecting better words. It's just not a true idea. No, Paula, we need to find a right ethnicity that's cheap and go for it. <laughs> what about those Finns, the Finnish? Oh, my yeah. God. Don't try to fin me down. <laughs> You know, the Finnish people have really gotten away with so much because no one seems to have any stereotype with them other than large, uh, thick-knit sweaters. Um, But, uh, Bonnie, what you said earlier was that you asked, do they have another name for Lazy Susan? Do they call it something else? And she said she thought they must. But she didn't say that they did. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, because I think it would be politically incorrect now. Right, but it would be an interesting fact if we knew for sure that they did (laughs) and for that reason. But otherwise, that's just one person's speculation about what might be happening. Um, So I would say that it's not so fascinating. Uh, Okay. (laughs) I have a feeling that our little friend, Tony Anita Hall, is Googling this right now. Am I right? Don't ever, were you Googling? I did Google it. There's a Wikipedia page on it. I don't oh know. My I'm, gosh. I'm engrossed in this podcast and conversation, so I can't read it right now. Oh. Okay. Oh. Well, Tony and Nita Hall, I, I can't believe that you would say that is a calumny. You are not engrossed in this podcast conversation, which is why you've taken to Googling once again on the, uh, why you're supposed to be participating in the conversation as a good listener, and good listeners don't Google. I'm sorry. This is Culpepper. It is a good point. I don't understand why Lazy Susan would be incorrect. Because it's kind of like saying Susan is lazy. Like So? 
Like the Washington Redskins. No, it's not. That's a slur on entire an entire people, whereas Susan is not an ethnic group. Who are you insulting when you call something a lazy Susan? I don't know women. I don't know if you knew about this, but Susans as a group have risen up, um, which is odd because they're so lazy. <laughs> <laughs> They've marshaled their energies to come after Janet's and Diane's and Carol's about uh, this lazy Susan term. Okay, I have something to say about Lazy Susan since while you were talking to Tony, I Googled it. God damn it. (laughs) Okay, so Uh, the question. You know what? The younger generation has no manners whatsoever. That's right. Okay, what about an alternative to Lazy Susan that isn't sexist? You can call it a serviette, a serviette. I'm not calling it a serviette. You can call it. A revolving tray, a turntable, a trolley. Then they have dumb waiter in here, and I think that would be politically incorrect because you're saying waiters are dumb. Oh, for Christ's sakes. Yeah. You know what? I'm just not inviting anybody named Susan to my house ever again. Okay. We are trying to solve a problem that doesn't exist is what we're doing here. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, what about the flower, black-eyed Susan? Is that going to... Is there? Is there a flower, black-eyed Susan? Absolutely. Yeah, it's a yeah, beautiful wildflower. Oh, oh. It's got beautiful yellow um, uh, petals. And a huge uh, center part that's uh, black and stands oh, up. It is pretty. Very beautiful. I they're it. they're really lovely. Yeah. They are very um, very nice. Hey hey, let's um. I can tell you how Tony is right now. She's been busy googling. She spends <laughs> a lot of time googling. She's going to her Google support group. I'm gonna let her do that in her own words, going over <laughs> not not to her apartment in in Sherman Oaks, California, oh. but to a nearby hotel where she has been exiled to for misbehavior. <laughs> Tony Nita Hall, what's new in the hotel? Living the sweet life. Uh, that's about it. Do you go like when I'm in a hotel and I'm in the elevator and there's I don't think there's anything more depressing than the ad in the elevator for the hotel bar. <laughs> Right? Oh, it says, yeah. you know, you can meet people and it's going to be so much fun. And of course, there's nothing remotely like that. But have you been going to the hotel bar for the happy hour and the and the meet and greet and stuff? Uh, the hotel bar is called Toasted here. So they sell, they serve various kinds of grilled cheese. Their oh, happy hour okay. is five to yeah. seven. Um, wow. I, I went down once for happy hour last weekend, and then I haven't been down since. But it's odd. There are a lot of regulars who come to this bar, which I thought was interesting. People from the neighborhood or people who live in your hotel? People from, like, the neighborhood. Fascinating. Like people come over from the Hampton Inn uh, because their hotel doesn't have a bar. There's a lot of people from the Hampton Inn that are going over to the Holiday Inn Express where Tony is. And uh, that is fantastic. Yeah. This is a, yeah. I can't believe you even went one time to the happy hour. That's so Oh, funny. but she's going back because, Tony, you now have an assignment from Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. Uh, it's our new segment entitled Tales from Toasted. You need to, you need to go <laughs> like down it. there, talk Sounds to somebody, awful. and bring back like one it. personal story from one of the regulars <laughs> okay. at Toasted. Okay. Okay. Tony. Done. Tony. 
could you wear your Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone sweatshirt because you did such a good job <laughs> in Australia and New Zealand. I did run by my apartment to grab the mail, and then I went into the apartment to check everything out. It's a disaster zone. But oh. the one thing, oh, I grabbed two things. The two things I grabbed were a sponge because I wanted something more than a rag to wash my dishes here. And two, I grabbed my Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone sweatshirt. I can't believe you left it on the night when they rowboated over or they helicoptered you out of your flooding apartment. That would have been, that should have been the thing where you were screaming and they were trying to hold you back and you're like, I gotta get back in there. I gotta get back in there. I put it in my firebox so that nothing would happen to it. Oh, like wow. My Impressive. birth certificate and everything. And then I wow. thought, you know okay. what, I should take it out and put it on. All yeah. right, so you're gonna wear it to Toasted. And then bring us back at least one Tale from Toasted for our new Yeah, show. I agree. Just, just, just yeah. get a story out of some patron. They want to talk. They're in Toasted, they not just for the talk. grilled cheese. They want to talk. So that's your, that's your assignment. It could be a conversation opener. If you have the sweatshirt on, somebody will ask you, unlike Australia. It could be a conversation opener. It, it could be. It could be a conversation starter. It could be. Unfortunately, I don't think we'll be able to do... Craft corner anytime soon because I don't have access to the materials. Don't worry about that. We can have some materials sent over to you. Right. Uh, you know, I know that your craft support group has like a care package that they send to people. So um, we'll be able to do it. Probably a raincoat for your cat. Also a raincoat <laughs> for your cat. You know, we don't really have rain all that often. It might no. make more sense to have your dog wear an earthquake coat. Yeah, that's something I'm getting is an earthquake coat for my dogs. Those are very, very secure. Yeah. Okay, wait. I have an update from our editor, Vic. It's what he said. Goddamn, Tony, I've got COVID again. I blame her. Oh, no. <sighs> wait, how is that even possible? It's not, but that's what he sent me. <laughs> Uh, Tony, you got it twice, right? I did get it twice. Wow. Got it twice. Uh Huh. I'm not. It made me sad when I got this. I was sad the first time, but I was really sad the second time. Yeah, because you weren't, you probably didn't have the strength um, because you were planning on spending that weekend making a potholder and then you were just down for the count. (laughs) No, but. Remember when you, remember when you used to march in the streets with that sign that said legalized pot holders? (laughs) <laughs> remember that, Tony? Tony, remember when that happened? Of course she remembers. Of course she does. Hey, Adam. Yeah. How are you? I'm, I'm doing great, Paula. That was that was well done. Um, I'm live, living a life here in the Valley. But uh, here's something that happened. Anybody who's ever been the parent of a young girl has one cross that they have to bear, which is the musical Annie. Sooner or later, your house is going to become a zone where songs from that musical are sung all the time. Last week, my daughter was cast um, as Annie. But wait, in, what, in what circumstance? When you say she was cast as Annie... By a neighbor, by your <laughs> wife, who, in what production? Is it like in her bedroom? No, My kids it's a, used to do it's shows a theater in their down bedrooms. the street that I've never seen. Um, she gets cash from me and walks down the street and tells me that she's going to her theater thing. Oh, oh, I would look into that. Oh, I, really? If I were you, I would, yeah, <laughs> I would look, yeah. Yeah, that sounds if iffy. No, no, no. It's our it's our local community children's theater, and she is she's going to be Annie, which means I'm going to be hearing It's a Hard Knock Life, 
tomorrow, maybe. You're never fully dressed without a smile a lot. Oh, that's fantastic. That's awesome. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> I thought it was clever the way you segued into it. Like you went, everybody at some time in their house hears the song. We never sang Annie here. There was no Annie here. What? None. That yeah. was about my daughter. Paula, was there Annie? And, uh, Tony, Tony's mouth is literally hanging open. Yeah. When Bonnie's daughter, Ivy, would go around the ring and they were working with the sports <laughs> psychologist. Are you kidding me? She, she would shout, normal kids sing Annie. And uh, that was really a challenge. That really brought the kid down. Whew. Hey, you guys, I think it's time for a vocabulary word. Let me just say, Adam was right that my vocabulary song that I sang for almost four years was not replicable because okay. the words filtered through the song with a word dropping off and a new word being added each week. It didn't, in the end, serve the purpose of making the words stick in our brains, I regret to say. All of this is to say that I'm trying a new system. Listeners, if you go over to our Facebook page, you'll find a beautiful artist's rendering of part of Adam, Tony Anita Hull, and Captain Crinkle. I'm going to ask each of them the meaning of a former nobody listens to Paula Poundstone vocabulary word. And for each correct answer, they will receive an additional body part until they have earned for themselves an invaluable portrait. I'm going to start by asking Tony Anita Hall the meaning of a former nobody listens to Paula Poundstone vocabulary word. And to make it fair, uh, Bonnie and Adam, you take your headphones off until I signal you back on Zoom. Uh, uh, Bonnie, I'll signal you with one finger. And Adam, I'll signal you with two fingers. No cheating, assholes. Okay. Tony, no Googling. <laughs> I'm not Googling. Tony, you ready? Mm hmm Okay. The word is odios. Yay! Uh, so it has no practical purpose. Futile. Very nice! Excellent! Uh, all right, signaling Bonnie Burns with one finger. Bonnie, you back? Hi. All right, Bonnie, the word is odios. Right. It's somebody who likes learning at an older age. Like, I might not have all the words in the right order, but I have the right. <laughs> they like to learn at an older age. They keep learning at an older age. <laughs> it's something about oh. learning and being older. <laughs> uh, no. Oh, and come on. That was you, true. Not only, are, no, not only not. are you wrong about odios, but you're not an opsimath. <laughs> oh, uh, Which is a noun that means a person oh, who begins shit. or continues to study or learn late in life. Uh, no, so the, uh, all right, so um, uh, uh, let me get Adam. Ready, Adam? I am back, yes, what? Okay, cool. Uh, the word is odios. We did that last week, didn't we? We did it, we yes. did odios, yes. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> it might not, wait, I had it last week, it was, um, I had it just last week, it was, uh, I got a body part last week. Um, <laughs> well, I may be removing that body part. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> no, you don't remove them, do you? No, um, I don't remove them. You don't have a penis anymore. What? <laughs> I, even in context, I'm going to object to that. That feels terrible. Um, <laughs> odious. It's it's um it's not opsimath. That was the one before it. It was um. <laughs> Oh, fuck, I forgot Odious. I, after having it last week, I've forgotten it. Odios is 
an adjective that means serving no practical purpose, so no practical producing purpose, no useful uh, no result, ah, futile. Oh uh, yeah, that's. Uh, I uh, haven't had anything to eat today. That's real. That you're, that's, <laughs> that's really. Why I can't yeah. remember. I don't know. I I I, I blanked. I choked. Adam, answer the phone. Answer the phone. I don't phone. want to answer the phone. No. <laughs> Adam, answer the phone. That's adding, that's adding insult to injury. There's no way I'm answering that phone on God's green no, earth. Answer the phone. I... Uh, hello? Hey, man. Uh, it's me, Mike Boom Boom Butterfit. Am I the hundredth caller? No, Mike. No, you're, you're the sixth caller. Shit. You are kidding me. The contest started weeks ago. You've only had six callers and want to win a biographical tour of the places that made you the dude you are? <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess that's right, Mike. Could you go some more places now and include those in the tour, maybe? Like, uh, like, uh, and maybe this is already in the tour, but, like, have you ever spent any time with Taylor Swift? I have not. I have not, Mike. Because, like, she's really popular. You, you, should, you should find out where she lives and go there. I'm, I'm not going to go find Taylor Swift. That's not it. you got to do something, man. I mean, you're averaging less than a call a week. Tay-Tay could really give you a boost. Is there anything else, Mike? Any other reason why you called? Yeah. I don't know how you work with that bitch, Paula Poundstone. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Wait, hold on there, Mike. Paula Poundstone, though we have our differences, is my friend and colleague, and I will not have you using that language around her. She doesn't listen to you, man. You were right for four years about that fucking vocabulary song. You were right. Nobody remembers those vocabulary words. I mean, other than cavil, which is a verb that means make trivial complaints or objections, <laughs> and pelf, which is a noun that means money, especially when gained dishonestly. Right. Nobody remembers that shit. Except maybe nonplussed, which is an adjective that gets used incorrectly so often, man. It means surprised and confused, not knowing how to react. <laughs> you were right, though, that dumb bitch. Hey, hey, Mike, uh, this conversation ends right here if you're going to Hey, man, I got to go. I got to go. I got so much shit to do. It feels insuperable. Call me over the weekend, man. We'll hang out after the game. Wow. We never will, Mike. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. Well, hey. I guess I, I might stand corrected about that uh, vocabulary song, Paul. It seems like it rubbed I, off know, on Mike. Yeah, Mike seems to know a lot of that. I forgot all those words, honestly. Yeah, uh, but uh, apparently, seems, I forgot know, one yeah. I knew last week. I'm I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> um. <laughs> you you know what? You know what? Bonnie made the exact same error. Really, uh, she Bonnie was thought, she used the definition of opsimath. Opsimath. Um, yeah, which is, oh, you know. Yeah, well, it wasn't that, so do I get partial credit? No. No, you do not. Um, no. You get your penis back. <laughs> what is this Stop about my penis? That. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we were talking about that last week. <laughs> which we shouldn't have been last week, and now you've brought no. it forward. Oh, my God. I'm going to feel so dirty after I draw this week's body parts. You're not going to, for one, I didn't win a body part. And for two, that's not a body a good, part you're going to draw. That's a good, that's a good point. You didn't. Uh. Oh, Jesus mm. Christ. You know, marketing guru Seth Godin, who's been on our show, once said, if it scares you, it might be a good thing to try. Which is why I'm sending him the medical bills for my afternoon skinny <laughs> dipping with piranha. We'll talk positive, sustainable career change that doesn't require skin grafts with Jill Schlesinger when we come back. 
a news update from the dental chair. A doomsday clock is at 90 seconds till midnight. This has been a news update from the dental chair. Hey, Paula. You know, every once in a while we get a new advertiser that I get super excited about. And I have to say, just because of the circumstances of my life right now, I'm really excited about our new advertiser, Quince of Quince.com, the clothing provider. Not to be mistaken for Quince from Midsummer Night's Dream. And let me just say this, and maybe it's not important to an advertisement, but when I was in the fourth grade, our class put on a production of A Midsummer Night's Dream. Okay. And I played I played Peter Quince. There. There's the connection. One of the mechanicals. That's a great connection. Also, yes, has nothing to do with this, which is that um, Quince is an online clothing store. And as you know, Paula, I've, uh, I've lost a little weight lately. Oh, right. 75 pounds. Yeah. So I literally have no clothes that are in my size until I just ordered some stuff at Quince. And I figured like, here's a chance for me to create a new look for myself. A whole new image. And how's it going? Not bad. I mean, the clothes are fantastic. I know that you ordered some too. What I got is I got the Comfort Stretch Traveler five pocket pants. And I got the, um, oh, it's so, and I got the 100% European linen shirt and it looks breezy and it fits beautifully. These are like premium pieces of clothing that are selling for like, you know, $30 a piece or starting at $30 at quince.com. It's awesome. I look good. I ordered the brushed lounge jogger and you know i put them on when i came back from new york i pulled them on and i i swear to you okay this is not scientific because i was tired already right but they were so soft (laughs) and and so comfortable that honestly like right as i got them up to my waist i i I think my eyes closed they're so it's a softness it's a kind of softness that I don't think I've ever experienced in a garment, honestly. You know, my uh, drawstring European linen trousers are a little bit like that, too. Like, so comfortable that I just want to hang out with myself. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And they're European. Keep that in mind. Uh, oh, European. they are so European. And you can get those kind of, you can get washable silk tops. You can get uh, 14 karat gold jewelry and like all these accessories. Quint sells a lineup of timeless pieces that keep their customers looking effortlessly chic year after year. I'm not certain that I look chic, but certainly if I did, it's not going to take a lot of effort. I now look chic and I feel pretty great. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabric. It's all good as far as I can see. Is it my imagination or do they cut out the middleman? They cut out the middleman, Paula Poundstone. I love it when they cut out the middleman. That's the thing, they cut out the middleman. <laughs> That's fantastic. So be like me and Paula. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash nobody for free shipping on your order and a 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash nobody to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash nobody. Nobody. And honestly, I look fantastic. Paula, you won't be able to keep your hands off me. Oh, I can't wait. And don't (laughs) think that if you had to return something, don't think you're sending it to a middleman because they cut out the middleman. They cut out the middleman. That's quince.com slash nobody. And if you're going to do it anyway. Use our code. 
Hey, Paula, it's been almost a year now since I got my Helix mattress. And as you remember, there was some drama surrounding Helix mattresses. Because oh, when oh my Helix gosh. first sponsored us, Bonnie took the mattress and yeah. she's been loving it. But finally, I got my chance to get a Helix mattress and I sleep so well. I mean, the family bed is where we all gather. We watch movies in, in our room occasionally and everybody just piles on it and it it's comfy. And yet when one person hops on, the other half of the mattress doesn't fly up. I'm a fan. Well, you know, Adam, everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. Models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side. Models with a more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions. Plus, enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. And if your spine needs some extra TLC, they got you. Every Helix mattress has a hybrid design combining individually wrapped steel coils in the base with premium foam layers on top. It is the perfect combination of comfort and support. I agree with that last bit. I don't get all the technical stuff about the mattress, but it is soft and supportive. Helix offers 20 unique mattresses, the award-winning Lux, which I got, and ultra-premium Elite Collections, the Helix Plus, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and the Helix Kids mattress designed for growing bodies and endorsed by child sleep experts, and my daughter now wants one. So, how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You go to their website, take the Helix Sleep Quiz, and you find your perfect mattress batch in under two minutes. You know, when you said you can't follow all the technical stuff, it's really not that technical. You know, uh, no matter what way you sleep, they have a mattress that will support and comfort you. How hard is that? Uh, you know, when you say it that way, it seems a lot simpler. I take it back. That's my boner. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door, free of charge. And Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Well, I like that there's a warranty, but they can pry that mattress from my cold, dead hands. I took the sleep quiz. I was matched with the Helix Midnight Lux. I got the Lux. And I love it. It is such an upgrade from my old mattress. You know, I think Bonnie got the Midnight Lux. She did. Too. Yeah. You're not here. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to take Adam's word for it? Well, you got Bonnie's word. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Your Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. That's a lot, and it's already not that expensive a mattress. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet. It's fantastic. It won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Well, not right now. And if you're going to get it anyway, use our code. On this day in unremarkable history, Victor Hugo's mother, Sophie Francois Trebuchet, said, I'll make you lay miserable. <laughs> Hey, 
Thank you, house band Andra Bonet. And we are back, Paula. Oh, I'm so glad to be back. I'm, I've been sitting here wondering what kind of problems you'll never have. I'll tell you something, Adam. You know what problems I'll never have? Trying to figure out where I put my stacks of cash. I'll, I'll, I'll never have to decide who to leave my money to. I got no money. I don't really know why. I work a lot. I'm not good with money. I, I, I don't have a money vocabulary. You know what I mean? I, I don't have a money sensibility. I wish I knew some kind of, you know, like a financial expert, so, someone who could catch some of my mistakes, someone who could take me under their wing, like, like, like some kind of camp counselor or like a big bird with a calculator. <laughs> well, we don't have a, a, a bird of any kind, Paula, with or without ah, a calculator. Shit. But you may <laughs> just be in luck because our guest today just might be the expert you're looking for. Author, money expert, and Emmy and Gracie award-winning business analyst for CBS News. Please welcome back returning champion Jill Schlesinger. Yeah. Uh, I like the bird, though, because I will say that uh, I've sort of often been very much similar to Big Bird, you know, long, oh, of, leg, you? L- long of leg, large of beak. So uh, I resemble Big Bird and I'm happy to have that. Big Bird didn't pick up on things quickly. I, I remember when Mr. Hooper died and... Uh, you know, Big Bird was, of course, heartbroken, but he kept saying stuff like he just, you know, he just went away. And they're like, no, Big Bird, he's, you know, he's gone. And, just, you know, he's died. And then he's 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 coming back. No, Big Bird. And finally, they just, you know, had to really get harsh with Big do Bird. You, <laughs> do you have a more sophisticated understanding of mortality, Jill? Um, Slightly. But you also <laughs> have a book, don't you? I do. I do. I have a new right. book that's coming out as we speak. Jill, uh, speaking of death, is am I correct that it's sort of a third chapter book? Like it's, um, you know, when someone wants to make these changes in their life financially, maybe their job, where they live, that sort of thing, um, before it's too late? Yeah, kind of. But, it, you know, it's so fascinating because during, I mean, this is not like I didn't come up with this great idea. Let me be clear about that. What happened was uh, my book agent was like, hey, you got another book in you? It's the middle of COVID. I'm like, no way. I hated writing the book. It was the worst experience in my life. Thanks. Goodbye. He's like, but what about the pile of money we got those ding-dongs to write the check for the first time around? I said, we won't get another round of ding-dongs. I promise you. And I don't have a book in me. So I had written a couple of things that I thought. I put a proposal together here and there. And then, you know, one day I'm sitting here and the great Brian DeFiore, my agent, said, well, what, what's like, what's jazz in you right now? I said, I tell you what's jazz in me. These people who are calling my podcast and they're freaking blowing up their lives in the middle of COVID. And it wasn't just older people. It was like all ranges, all income ranges, all types of people. It was like they were having this moment where they finally were self-reflective and being um, a little bit clearer about like what they really wanted their lives to look like. And they kept calling me kind of asking for permission, you know, essentially mm-hmm. being like, I want to do this. Like I've been a comic my whole life, but really what I want to do is to be an artisanal cheese maker, maybe something like that for you, Paula. And, oh. um, and so, right. Uh, yeah. and then, yeah. and then that's what happened to so many comics. <laughs> they went into cheese. <laughs> Um, they were in cheese before, trust me. Um, a lot of them were. So, yeah, that period of time, what is it's certainly I spent a lot of time in reflection during 
COVID about lots and lots of things, but certainly I think it was a yellow highlighter over what's important to you, you know? Yeah, totally. And you know, it's so weird because it's like, oh gosh, do we really need a once in a century pandemic to do that? Well, maybe yes. I mean, I'd heard from people in, you know, so I've been sort of answering financial questions, whether as a financial planning investment advisor or in this iteration in media for say 20 something years, 25 years or so. And I always got these kinds of questions from people who had like end of life diagnoses, so uh, a lot of people who've gone through death of a spouse, a lot like a, a tragic, insane thing that blows your life up, maybe like an unexpected divorce. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so, but this was like incredible, the number of people I was hearing from, you know, wow. everyone from like executives to um, a nurse anesthetist, like some of the burnt out um, healthcare workers. There were people who were uh, just kind of like working in crapo jobs, like in restaurants who were like, I'm just done. I got to like start a new business. There were people who are like, my business sucks. I'm going to close it down. I need to figure out my next chapter. So it just felt like a flood of people coming at me. And so I realized what I was doing with them on the podcast was simply just going through a framework, like the financial framework that you need before you just blow up your life. And so, you know, I couldn't make the emotional decision for them, but at least I could give them a structure to start thinking about it. It's sort of like the boxcar children for adults. <laughs> this is going to need a little bit of elucidation there, Pastor. Well, not the series of books, the boxcar children, but the first one where they're, these kids, their parents die. They're, they're supposed to go live with their grandfather, but for some reason they're afraid of the grandfather. I don't know. So they run away and they, you know, they create a life taking care of one another and they find a boxcar to live in. That's why they're called the boxcar children. Um, uh, anyways, so they, they just sort of figure out how to do things and how to get their needs met. And, and, uh, you know, because they didn't want this other life. It's very much like the rest of us who don't want this other life. Um, so Jill, how do you recommend people go about finding their boxcar? Um, if you are seeking a boxcar, you know, I think the first thing is that I, I do understand that a lot of people have, you know, they, you sit around, you have this like dreaminess about this. Um, and I think the, the wild thing about COVID is it really did start getting people thinking about like, wow, things are mercurial out there. Like, I don't know when a pandemic's going to hit me and my family. And so one of the first things that I talk about is really just taking this good, hard look at like what is going on in your life. In other words, like before you tell your boss, your boss to, you know, go screw or you just move cross country um, or you start a business, you know, you need to figure out how you can take meaningful action. And that means you've got to figure out where you are today. Right. So what does that mean? It means that it's a little bit of number crunching, but it's basically saying, OK, what do I own? That's an asset. What do I owe? A liability. And of the money that I have, if I'm lucky enough that I own a home or I have a retirement plan, you know, that's a different kind of asset because in some respects, I would say that that asset, that that illiquid asset, a house or a kind of asset that you have to sell and have a tax hit for, it's a little bit it's it's a it's downgraded in my mind. So like how much money do you have on Can we back up just hand? a second when you sure. say illiquid asset? What is a liquid asset? So a liquid asset is anything that's converted to cash easily. So you have okay. a bank account, 
cash account, money market account. Even if you were lucky that, you know, your great aunt Clara left you some IBM stock and it's sitting in an account, you could sell that and three days later have a check sent to you, right? So mm-hmm. that's liquid. You know, you might have to pay some tax on, on something that's sold, but it's not a house. Like there are people, their biggest asset is their house. That's great. And yeah, housing values balloon during the pandemic, <laughs> but it wasn't so easy to convert that into cash. Mm-hmm. So essentially you figure out what you own, what you owe, right? And also how much money are you spending right now? I'm not saying I hate budgets. I really, I do. But what I do think is important is that when we were thinking about consumption, let's call it at the end of 2019, people would be like, well, you know, I have to pay for this, 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 and this. And mm-hmm. a lot of those, those last three thises were like camp for my kids or um, I have to go on this many trips. But, you know, all of a sudden amid COVID, you're like, well, wait, all I really care about, do I have a house that, I, you know, a shelter? Do I have food? Can I pay for my health care? And all of a sudden you really got a hierarchy. And, you know, I think that people really were able to figure out like what it is they really do need and what is it that they think they need. You know, like you don't need to make a lot of the decisions that we make, but you're choosing to. And as long as I put that on the table as like, I'm choosing to do that thing, it's now in play. So figuring out like my actual expenses is different than saying like, okay, which of those expenses do I know I'm always going to have throughout the rest of my life? And what am I willing to give up? And those Mm -hmm. are like, that's the beginning part. It's like tallying up where you stand. I give up the cheese dream right away. I mean, you might have to. All right, but but you know, Paula thinks about changing her life frequently. So after she's assessed all of her liquid assets and her less liquid assets and what she needs and everything, what does she do next to become that park ranger? You know, let's just pretend. Let's say that you have a lot of money that's been saved up. You didn't have a lot of kids. You didn't spend all this money feeding them and housing them because these kids, they eat a lot. But you just had a piles of money. And now you say, I always wanted to be a park ranger. What would that mean? And we look at it and you say, well, I could use some of the money I've saved up. I'd spend it on my graduate degree. I'd look at the things I want to do in the future. And I could basically live my life as a park ranger. Life is good. I can start trying this out. How do I try it? I always think you do a little bit at a time. So maybe instead of giving up my real day job, lock, stock and barrel, you say, you know what? I'll give up a couple of things to start learning about this. Maybe I'll go intern or I'll go like volunteer and I'll see what it's like to be on that park. I'm a big try before you buy kind of person. Like Mm -hmm. just like kind of you work your way into it. It can be baby steps. And I think that a lot of people dream of certain things, but the reality of that thing kind of sucks. So, you know, yeah. the best example is I'm a great cook. I'm going to open a restaurant, which is a sure Oof. way to lose your shirt in general. And it's not so much fun like running a beer, um, a bed and breakfast or running a restaurant as it is to like having your friends stay over for a night and cooking them dinner. So vastly different experiences. I'm big on try what is it? Try before you buy. Yeah. That's how I've been doing my um, plastic surgery. So this nose I can return. Let me see it again. Put it, go and go, go in profile. See like that. Oh, I think it's good. (laughs) Uh, But I think the try before you buy advice makes sense. Um, You know, a lot of people, when they go to college, they believe they're going to do this particular job and they go to college, they study that thing. And, you know, young people often discover partway through, 
that they hate that thing. Yeah. And there's like a lot of family pressure around that. You know, it was funny. I have a lot of nieces and nephews. There's a beauty of like marrying into an Italian Catholic family. So between the two families, we have 16 nieces and nephews. And it's been fascinating to kind of watch everyone go through different iterations about the things that they do. And, you know, I mean, I'll just bring up like the school question because we have a lot in our, a lot of folks in our family who were like, well, should I go back and to go get a graduate degree? And this was a big thing during COVID, which is like, well, instead of going back into the workforce, because in the beginning there were no jobs, I'll just go to grad school. And I remember like the lesson of my niece, who's a New York City school teacher. And she's so funny because she says, like, you know, I was going to get a master's. So you can go to like name brand fancy master's in New York City, or you Mm -hmm. can go to off label, like, you know, like the discount one. The New York City school system does not care where you get your degree from. They care that you get a degree. And when you get the degree, you get an automatic bump up in your salary. So she, you know, much to the chagrin of my sister who loves a nice brand name college, you know, why not pay for more if you can? Uh, she literally, this this kid said, I don't need to pay for it. She, it costs her for her, you know, her, her master's in education. I think it costs $4,800 versus doing a, this two-year program for tens of thousands of dollars. And she came wow. out with the same raise. She went to Caldor. <laughs> good good throwback. <laughs> no one else know what that is. <laughs> Caldor Incorporated was a discount department store chain founded in 1951. Referred to by many as the Bloomingdale's of discounting, Caldor grew from a second-story walk-up and save operation in Port Chester, New York, into a regional retailing giant. I just decided to appeal to a particular age group from a particular part of the country. Um, <laughs> all right. It's so one of the things I, I, I noticed. I, I didn't read your whole book, but I read, uh, I read parts of it. And one of the things I noticed was that it, it seemed homeowners had it better than anybody else because yeah. there's equity in the home. Yeah. I don't I don't own my house. I could steal it little bit by bit, but I don't think it's worth it. Uh so what I want to know cuz when covid came, when covid hit us and all the theaters shut down, I I certainly believe that even when covid, you know, flares up as it is now, um, I don't think they'll shut everything down again, but I certainly think there's a chance they'll shut theaters down again. And um, so I wonder, what can I do in a non-emergency? You know, I kept thinking at the time, I kept thinking, well, I'm going to have to do something else. Um, wh- what can I do as a renter in a non-emergency to prepare for such a change? Or can I? Well, I mean, I think that's an excellent question because I think that there were a lot of people who were like in that position where you were like, I'm a renter, so I don't have a choice of like selling my place and going someplace else. But as a renter, the thing that you do have is flexibility, which is kind of awesome because there were a lot of people who were like, I'm stuck in this place that I really hate, but I didn't know where else to go. And so to some extent, I'm a huge fan of renting. I I feel like there's an amazing amount of flexibility that people have. And I do think this compulsion of like, I must own real estate, I actually work against that to some some extent because I feel like people just hang on to this, oh, it's my forever home. I'm like, well, forever's a long time. I don't know. I don't think that that may be worth your while. And I think people probably sink too much into their homes. I like to leave the possibility that I could go on the lamb. Well, and you never know when you might need to. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's really my guiding principle. 
Warren Buffett once said, in a chronically leaking boat, energy devoted to changing vessels is more productive than energy devoted to patching leaks. But Warren doesn't know that the secret to the entertainment business is to pretend you're sinking on purpose because you love sushi. More <laughs> career change with Jill Schlesinger when we come back. <laughs> The Cat of the Week is Kay Lee from Austin, Texas. Hey, it's just me, Paula Poundstone. I don't want to bring you down by reminding you of why we need to laugh, COVID, but we do. Laughter could be practically prescribed by a doctor. Climate change. And there's something about the shared <laughs> emotional experience of being a part of an audience that makes the laughter that much more powerful. Kids, 99% of the time when someone types LOL, they're lying. You don't laugh out loud at stuff when you're alone. You acknowledge in your head that you think the thing you're seeing or hearing is funny. Depression. That's why television <laughs> shows use a laugh track. <clears throat> By the way, it was only recently that it dawned on me that the Flintstones couldn't have had a live audience. Loneliness. I'm not saying that I'm the only one who can provide this healing laughter, Trump, but I am saying <laughs> you need to get it somewhere. And it happens that I work in theaters all over the country. Nuclear war. Go to paulapoundstone.com and see when I'll be at a theater near you. Parallel parking. to talk to Trump. Talking to the former president can be difficult, but by practicing these suggested phrases in front of a mirror for just a few minutes a day, you'll be saying what you need to say to him with confidence in no time. Get a pen and a paper and write them down. Today's phrase is the special counsel's wife's sister hates you? There's at least one member of every extended family that hates you. We can't eliminate a special counsel based on that. And we are back and we're talking life and career changes with author Jill Schlesinger. <laughs> Paula? Author and financial expert. Jill yeah, Schlesinger. We're, we're um, highlighting author today. Uh, Jill, we used to advertise for a company called Real Paper. It's toilet paper made out of bamboo. I like it, and I believe in the mission. It's probably more expensive than regular toilet paper, though. Does unit pricing make any difference? Would I make my life better? Would I be better prepared to, uh, you know, uh, change course because I saved by standing around the grocery store or hovering over the computer, counting how many ounces of rice I get in which bag or box or how mm. many sheets I you see what I is that kind of unit pricing useful in the in this in this bigger idea? Without um, being a heretic and slamming somebody else, the notion that you um, 
by cheap toilet paper or one less latte a week, I promise you will not make you a millionaire. That will not happen. The most costly thing that we do that we kind of can't account for, it's usually like a vacation that went a little bit too crazy money-wise and uh, eating out too often. Now, do I really think that if you buy, you know, Joe's toilet paper versus fancy bamboo toilet paper, you know, your tushy needs to feel good. So I don't want to tell you what to buy and what not to buy. But I do think that the bigger mistakes that people are making about their spending have more to do with things that they're, it's like the unconscious things. So, you know, it's the 30 year old who is like a teacher who's friends with a financier and they're all going out every week and you kind of want to be in the crowd and like, yeah. you feel like, oh, damn it, if I'm not like, you know, you can't afford it, but if you don't, then you're sort of outside of that social structure. And yeah. those are the kinds of things that kind of put you on your back feet, right? Because then you're like, I couldn't really afford it. I put it on my credit card and it's, it, you know, look, it's kind of, um, it's daunting, I think, in certain times. And I think this is changing post-pandemic. And I think the millennials and the Gen Zs, um, like in every generation, I think it gets a little better. But they're more honest about it. Like, I can't afford that. Then what? Okay. Then what? What else do I have to, what else do I have to know to be able to do that? Like, for example, during COVID, I talked a lot about moving to Maine um, uh, it, or, or living in a Winnebago. That was one of my... Mm-hmm. Great ideas. What kinds of changes have you helped people make? I think probably my favorite was this nurse anesthetist from Pittsburgh called the show and said, you know, I want to tell you my story. So they're like in the operating theater in Pittsburgh. This is what people are talking about where they're cutting you open, by the way. Um, the doctor's like, wow boy, the real estate market is really taking off. So it's like the end of 2020. This is what they're talking about and not concentrating on us, the patients. And so she was she was sort of floored by that. Um, and she said, you know, what do you mean? They talk about the real estate market. She goes home and says to her husband, we're selling the house. He goes, what do you mean we're selling the house? It's the middle of COVID. We're not selling the house. We got nowhere to go. She goes, I don't care. I don't want to keep this house up. And I want to move to a farm. And he's like, what, I got to buy buy a farm in Pittsburgh? Like, what are you talking about? So the long story short is that they actually did sell the house. They rented, they were, they went, found like an Airbnb farm. And they sold, one of the reasons they sold the house was they said they had uh, agreed to help their kids pay off the college loans. She was working like a hundred hours a week, including overtime to help pay those loans off. They were in credit card debt. They sell the house. They're out of debt. They're renting. They are free and easy. She's reduced her hours and she's living on a farm. She's like, I didn't say I had to own the farm. I wanted to buy the farm. Like, like uh, I don't want to own it, but I, I do want to live on. So she kind of had this experience. And I found this to be like a fascinating story. And I kept talking to her. She goes, oh, you know what? You got to meet this girl. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn you on to someone fascinating. Another nurse, kind of also fried, mid-pandemic fried, right? Sure. Yeah. So remember that book? called uh, Wild by Cheryl Strayed, where she like hikes, she's yes. like dumped by her boyfriend and maybe she's a yeah. drug addict, I can't remember, but it was a terrible story. It's sort of a story like that, except there's nothing bad that happened. This woman gets divorced, it's COVID. She's so sick and tired of working. She's young, she's single, she has no obligations. She goes, you know what I want to do? I want to hike the Appalachian Trail. By the way, I always said Appalachian. Mm-hmm. Do you guys have a view on that? It's Appalachian. When I read the book, they made me change that 5,000 times. Oh. I, oh. I have no, I, wh- when did that change? 
I'm not going to speak with you ever again over it. Do you say Qatar or Qatar? You know, during broadcasts of the World Cup, they were saying Qatar on television. It's Qatar. Okay. Which is it? Right? (laughs) I went to an elementary school with a kid named Daryl Cutter. Does he have a whole country now? (laughs) Gosh, he was a paste eater. I never would have thought he'd do that well. (laughs) Well, this woman, she ran the numbers and she said, I just want to do this. She kept a blog. It It was so great. And I said to her, like, did you do this because, like, you're fried? You're, she goes, you know, I always wanted to do it. It was just like this time felt like it felt right. And I've been such a diligent saver my whole life. And before oh, I started in shit. doing... I know, right? Yeah. Um, and then Fuck. she said, and you know what? I was After- so into the story. And then you have to screw it up with that. And she never made a ton of money, but she did squirrel away money. And uh, she did it. So I did get back in touch with her uh, after... She finished and it was awesome. And, you know, she wrote a blog along the way and blah, 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 oh, blah. that's blah. great. But you know what? It's kind of cool. She went, she did it and she said, um, I'm going back to work. I said, you're going back to nursing? And she goes, what do you think I was going to walk for the next 40 years of my life? Like I did Fair. it. I'm re- Fair. <laughs> yeah. What about farm nurse though? What happened to her? Happy as a clam, happy as a horse. She and her husband live on this farm in an Airbnb. She works less. They both are still working. No debt. Um, just feel like they could work so much longer and happier because she doesn't, she said, look, I never hated being a nurse. I love being a nurse. I hated working so many hours because I was paying off all this debt. That's what I hated. Mm -hmm. You know, like there was, so it's good to kind of figure out what it is about your anxiety or the itch that you have that is, what's the emotion behind it? That is very helpful because that can help lead you to what's the next best, best. Give me an example. Well, you know, like I talked to this dude who's like, I want to quit. I hate the corporate world, blah, 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 blah. And I walked him through everything. And I said, you know, unless you're going to make like a radical change to your life, you're not, you can't do it. But there's a middle ground. And here's the middle ground. You think you have to do this until you're 70 years old. Could I convince you that if you were to change a few things like stop actually paying for your grandchildren's day camp and stop paying for a lot of these extra activities. Because when I ask, you know, you ask a lot of probing questions, people just will answer them. I always ask them, you know, and I was like, well, are your kids doing okay to be able to afford these things now? They're like, oh yeah, but we just have always done it. I said, well, why don't you stop doing that? Why don't you just stop and tell me, tell me how much money you can save. And I said, how would it feel not to like be locked into this job? But maybe if I said to you, you got a job right now, you're making a lot of money. I think he was making about 180 grand. I said, you know, if you didn't have all these things that you thought were your obligations, you could get a nice job where you're not in management, you're back to selling, you're doing the thing you like to do. And you need to make a hundred between you and your wife. Can you do that and actually work for five more years? He's like, oh, I could totally do that. I'm like, well, then do that. Don't just call it quits. Like figure out a way to find a middle ground. You know, there's plan A, everything goes great. Plan B is a middling ground. Plan C is like, oh crap, it really didn't work out. You know, I did this, right? So I was a money manager and a financial planner. I had a very nice life. I, If I were still doing it, I'd be much richer, but very unhappy. And so when I decided I wanted to kind of make this leap and try to like move into media, I had like three scenarios that I mapped out. And one of the scenarios was, 
well, let's say that I can't get a job. Let's say I can't do this. I can't make any money. And I knew like, you know, listen, I have a, I have a certain amount of a lifestyle that I would like to maintain. So I said, well, I could be a financial planner as long as I didn't, I didn't have to ever own a, the company again. That was the, I knew that that was the piece that was so hard for me, that I hated being a company owner. I hated having employees. So I went to some people, I ran around and I said, well, if I needed a job, could I get a job? That was my like break the glass scenario. I could get a job. Mm -hmm. And frankly, even if the financial service, like I could sell something. I like selling. I could do it. So if I could do that and then I could try to kind of put my foot in the water and I gave myself time and I said, I'm going to give myself one year to see if I can make this happen. I had set aside the money to be able to do it. And if it didn't happen between that, you know, that moment when I started my journey, which by the way, was the worst terrible, terrible, worst time to try to find a new job in a new career, which was the beginning of 2009, um, after the financial crisis. I said, if I can't do this in a year, I'm going to go back to work and then I'll see where life leads me. Mm -hmm. It worked. So far it worked. So earlier you said, uh, you know, cut these things that you feel that you're obligated uh, to pay. I'm going to try to have that difficult conversation with my landlord. Um, yeah, I think if I just say to her that I don't feel responsible anymore and I'm taking this off my shoulders. You yeah, know, that's I, good. Mm. And then you get to move in with Adam? No, I'll stay here. No, no, no. I'm going to stay here. I just want her to know I don't feel obliged to pay anymore. That's, that's fair. You've been carrying it. her for a long time, Paula. Can I just Honestly. say one last thing about the housing yes. thing? It's just yes. fascinating. Also amid COVID, I think people were like, you know what? Being close to my family is incredibly important. I think that there was like this whole notion about feeling that distance that was really intense. And um, also a number of people who talked to me about, listen, I like having my own space, but I don't want to be so far from my family. And there's been a real shift around that. So that also is kind of a cool thing. Paula, I feel like your family, would you like to move into a uh, two bedroom apartment with uh, another woman and two dogs? Okay, I have two dogs and ten cats. So the Ooh, answer cats, is sorry, sorry. Yes. Mm-mm. Oh, you can't which, do cats. Which, which also kind of rules out the Winnebago too, Paula. Yeah. Oh no, I'm th- the cats will adjust. Um, wait, <laughs> I have one more question. Okay. Now your book is about making it change, and and it seems generally, as I said, aimed towards you know it's kind of third chapter maybe uh, of life. Um, what about for young people that are just getting started? What should they do so that they can be in a position at some point? Because guess what? This is going to come to them at yeah. some point or there. So what what can they do to be in a position to make such a big change? Like, as opposed, we could just say the opposite of everything I've done. That's one answer. Um, right. Yeah. Well, I find that young people are pretty great financial planners anyway, with a keen eye towards the far future. So I don't think we need to go there. <laughs> I oh, will say yeah. one thing that's fascinating. Some of, I mean, it's fascinating to think like some of these kids actually talk about money so candidly in a way that we didn't. Let's be honest. Like you didn't ask your friend, how much are you making? Like, I know that these kids at CBS News are all telling each other, well, I just did redid my contract. Here's how much I got. And they are using that information. They're very, they're much wow. more open. Um, yeah. And it's fascinating. And the, the other part of this about setting yourself up is making sure that you're making wise choices in the moment. So again, I talked a little bit about education, right? And 
you know, whether or not we actually get this student loan forgiveness or not, it's not going to be forgiveness of everything. There's plenty of, of young people who are graduating from schools with 80 and 90 and a hundred thousand dollars of debt and it sucks and it limits yeah. your opportunities. So yeah. one thing to consider as you're starting out is like the decision you make when you're 22 can come back and haunt you, but you can, you can kind of get out of that train. And the other is to ask questions of yourself, you know, I have a, I, I have like a real sense that there is a pendulum is swinging, right? All right? So I'm talking to you from New York City where we are completely obsessive about careers and work and blah, blah. And you know what? Since COVID, I think a lot of people are like, you know what? Being in the office five days a week kind of sucks and I'm not going to do it anymore and it's okay. And the world didn't blow apart. Or me caring about my employer way more than my employer seemed to care about me. That's a real thing. And maybe I need to rethink it. And I think that the younger generations, 20s, 30s, I do think they're a little bit more aware of what a work-life balance is. Now, all right, so cynical old fart Jill, this is what Aunt Jill will say, like, well, you know, suck it up and work. That's what it means. But then, yeah. I'm like, you know, but then <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute, they're on to something. You know, like there's a part that we, it is true. I have a, I have a work ethic. I get it. And to achieve in a big way, you have to work hard, but you don't have to work at the exclusion of everything else in your life. So I'm hopeful that we all rub off on each other a little bit, but you can't just sit at home and eat bonbons and expect to advance. Oh, you that know was what? my plan. I'm going to have to change. Yeah, check it I'm out. Gonna, I'm going to die telling jokes and worm farming. Oh. That's, <laughs> about- that might work. All right, well, Jill, that was excellent. What we're going to do right now is we're going to run all this information that you just gave us through the old Pouncedinator. Paula? House band Andra Bonette bending the flute to her will for our pleasure. Thank you so much. Now, if I could ask you to play me a little background music, I'll tell you what the old Pouncedinator spit out. Jill Schlesinger, financial analyst and author of the brand new book, The Great Money Reset, thank you for being here to walk me through my limited financial options. I think it's the nomadic life for me. We're pulling into our first campground space in our new lives. There's usually a community of people in these places who sit out on their lawn chairs and share survival techniques and stories. Sometimes they even have sing-alongs. There they are. You, you guys stay here. I'm going to go enjoy some human contact. Hi, my name's Paula. Your rig smells. You're, you're, you're going to have to empty your toilet at that pump over there. Uh, no, no it, it's not the toilet system. I have ten cats and two big dogs in there. What's your name? My name's Deb. This here's Mad Dog. Don't tell her our name. She'll never get that stinky ride out of here. Hey, Mad Dog, I've been driving for quite a while. I'd love to join you all for a little bit. The road can get kind of lonely. I'll sift the litter boxes in just a few minutes. I, I just... It's Tuesday, you know, and on, on Tuesdays I, I used to tape my podcast. Your what? Uh, I, I had a podcast. It, it's like a radio show, but it comes across the internet. Anyways, when COVID hit, I, I, I started saying to myself, like so many of us do, is, is this really what I want? Is this enough? I'm not getting any younger. Before COVID, you thought you were going to get younger? 
No, no, it's not that. It's it, it's just that it, it was a time of reflection. So, so you reflected that it was a good idea to shove a bunch of animals in an RV and go stick up a park somewhere? No, I, I came to a realization that after years of being a stand-up comic, I, I barely had any liquid assets, and I had no illiquid assets at all. It sure is getting late. Yeah, looks like the sun's gonna set in a couple of hours. Oh, guess I'll turn in. Yeah, I think I'll go reflect. Oh, yeah, right. Well, it was nice meeting you. Michael, roll your boat ashore. Hallelujah. <laughs> Michael, roll your boat ashore. Hallelujah. Shut up in that stinking can! Money expert, Emmy and Gracie award-winning business analyst for CBS News and author of the brand new book out right now, The Great Money Reset. Returning champion, Jill Schlesinger, thanks so much for coming on our show. We love you. Thank you so much for having me. I will come back anytime and I'm inviting you to the book party in L.A. I love that idea. Jill, first of all, congratulations, because I know that writing a book, A, sucks. Definitely. And, uh, B, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, sometimes I I realized that I was writing only because banging my head on the wall chipped the paint, <laughs> and those seem to be my only two alternatives. Um, but uh, the, the, the part that I read of your book, you know, really read uh, fun. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a nice quality to the writing, uh, so it didn't feel like a... You know, like a financial book, even though it is. I know. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I really do. It's it's uh, my goal in life is not to sound like a financial uh, wonk, but even though I am one in real life. Oh, well, that's good. It's good to have that. Coming up, a wise man once said, hey, I didn't say that. Yes, we're finally getting to our misquote party when we come back. Fun fact, cats are lactose intolerant. And that sentence didn't really need the word lactose. <laughs> Thank you, Andra Bonet. Oh my lord, that is some that is some musicalizing there right there. Yeah. Thank you so much for being our house band. And hey, everybody, we um, I just want to let you know that that's coming soon uh, to Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. We've got a slate of guests that's so great we want to tell you about it. We've got director of the MacArthur Fellows Program, Marlies Caruth. Uh, that's amazing. We've got a rocket scientist coming on. Julie Zimmerman will be here. And, oh, we also have White House Chief of Staff Ron Klain coming up on your favorite podcast. Hey, Paula. Hey, Adam. I've been trying to keep this from you. Okay. But I'm going to be in Morristown, New Jersey at the Mayo Performing Arts Center on Saturday, February 18th. Performing art, I guess. Also, <laughs> I'll be in Poughkeepsie, New York at the Bardavon 1869 Opera House on Saturday, February 25th. I just wow. feel better getting it off my chest. I'm, I'm really glad you, you felt comfortable enough to share that with me, Paula. 
That shows a real move forward in our relationship. Thank you very yeah. much. Tickets are now available. What, Bonnie? You ruined a moment. We were having a I'm fucking moment. Say no tickets are available. Yeah. I, oh. Uh, God damn it. For tickets, you can go to paulapoundstone.com. Well, thank you for sharing that with me too, Paula. I know that took a lot. Or visit the theater box office. <laughs> One more thing. Oh my fuck. Let's just move on. We're moving on. Um, hey, you know what we're moving on to? Another idea we've had that should be lots of fun. We've done quote party a lot where we've all shared our favorite famous quotations with people, but now we're moving on to a to an uncharted territory. It's time for misquote party. Should I do a theme song? I was I sure think I you would. I think I will. Misquote party. Uh, <laughs> ha, 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 it's so silly. Ha, 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 willy-nilly. We've got quotes and you have to guess. Were they true or were they a mess? Ha, 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 ha. This is the... You know I like what? the rhyme. This is the first time that a theme song actually gets the concept of the sh- of, of the show wrong because uh, we're not having people guess. These are these are. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? All I can see was Paul McCartney's process as yeah. I as I you know as I can see the wor- wheels turning. Um, yeah. Uh, well, she, hey, she Tony did, she did rhyme. and Tony. You know what I just realized, Tony? You, no. you, were the, you were the only one to get the vocabulary word correct, and I forgot to go. Yay! Oh. That was like an hour ago. Um, okay, <laughs> so <laughs> here we go. Yeah, what I just Misquote party, despite what you might have been misled to believe by our theme song, misquote party is the fun party where we all bring quotations that have been misattributed or, or misworded to the table. Uh, let's start with Paula Poundstone. Paula, give us a, a misquote, and then uh, maybe our theme song writer will will be able to come up with something new by the end of this. <laughs> so, Winston Churchill uh, is sometimes believed to have said, "You make a living by what you get; you make a life by what you give." Ooh, um, that's great! It's inspirational. I got this in an article about misquotes by Kirk Chisholm uh, on the InnovativeWealth.com blog. Uh, And what Kirk Chisholm says is that the accurate quote is, what is the use of living if it be not to strive for noble causes and to make this muddled world a better place for those who will live in it after we are gone? How else can we put ourselves in harmonious relationship with the great verities and consolations of the infinite and the eternal? And I avow my faith that we are marching towards better days. Humanity will not be cast down. We are going on swinging bravely forward along the grand high road and already behind the distant mountains is the promise of the sun. You know, um, yeah, I don't see how that's even. I mean, that how could that be a misquote? I mean, it's not even. It's similar. what Kirk says, but I have to say, Kirk's full of shit. Well, if if Winston Churchill really did say the second thing, uh, I I really like the misquote much much better. Uh, it's it's clearer. It's succinct. Uh, it, it's so much better. 
And somebody must have said, you make a living by what you get. You make a life by what you give. Somebody must have said it. Um, But apparently it wasn't Winston Churchill because he was busy going off on some other thing altogether. (laughs) Yeah. He was uh, Winston, as they used to call him, Winston, blah, 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 Churchill. (laughs) Uh, I've got one, and it's one that I think a lot of people will know, but I think everybody should know it, which is that upon landing on the moon in that lunar uh, module, Neil Armstrong didn't say or mean to say, this is one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. What he did say was, it's one small step for a man, one giant leap for mankind, which which totally changes it. It totally makes it clear what's being said. You know... The school does not spend enough time on the article. Absolutely. Because, you know, just that word A, one small step for a man. Four yeah. small steps for a medium-sized dog, I think should have been the quote. <laughs> hey, let's yeah. keep this rolling. Tony Anita Hull, what's your misquote? People often quote Sunset Boulevard's famous line from Gloria Swanson's character as, I'm ready for my close-up, Mr. DeMille. But what she actually says is, all right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, you're right. You know what? I've seen that movie multiple times, and I never noticed that. Yeah, no, I remember when I first saw the film, I thought, oh, that line is... Not how I always thought it was. It's oft misquoted, which made you a perfect candidate for some years in the future to become part of this show in this particular yes. segment. And now let's go to the bard of Nobody Listens to Paula <laughs> Theme songwriter Bonnie Burns. Um, now that you're clearer on the concept, what do you have for us, Bonnie? <laughs> okay. So my mom used to say, I need that okay, like a she's poke not the a famous <laughs> quote person. <laughs> well, no, I'm other people. That was my introduction because I other people have said this. I need okay, that like ahead. a poke in the eye with a sharp stick. But the actual quote is better than a poke in the eye with a sharp stick. Who said it? Uh, Maybe it's, your it's mom. It's gone around in culture. <laughs> it's gone around in culture. <laughs> Wait, what were you going to say? Maybe my mom. Maybe maybe your mom made up her own. No, you guys have never heard somebody say, I need that, like a poke in the eye with a sharp stick. I haven't, but that doesn't mean it. A heat break guy said it, and that's the Yiddish translation. That's the translation of the Yiddish. Well, Bonnie's not telling you is that her mother was what? tragically blinded in Seattle many years ago. Um, so for her, okay. many things were better than that. I have better one. I have a better one. I have two. This the, the other me. one was was an expression. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh. it was an expression, not a quotation. Yes. Oh, yes. Well, what's the difference between an expression and a quotation? <laughs> like an expression had to come out of somebody's said. mouth. <laughs> Somebody said yeah, it once. Yeah, that's tr- that's oh, true. God. But you, usually, a quotation is uh, is uh, credited to someone. You know, okay, uh, and and not your mom. <laughs> okay, I have another one. Machiavelli. Okay. Everybody thinks he said the ends justifies the means, but what he actually right. said was one must consider the final result. Yeah. Okay, that's good. That's a good one. Okay. Machiavelli Wait, I got my last and, one. 
I wasn't sure about the polka dye with a sharp stick. But yeah, you were wrong. I gave it Go a on. Yeah. Okay. No, Machiavelli said, what was it? <laughs> one must consider the what? He's, he actually the said one result? must consider the final result. And then he said, ow, get that stick out of my eye. <laughs> that was him. <laughs> and then he said, before you stuck that stick in my eye, that was better. <laughs> okay. Marie Antoinette, everybody thinks she says, let them eat cake. Uh However, the philosopher Jean-Jacques Rousseau wrote a book before the French Revolution even began in which an anonymous great princess says of the hungry, let them eat brioche, which I believe is French for cake. Is that? No. Uh, okay, okay. No, it's, it's a bun. Either way, <laughs> no, you're, right, you're right that it's a, a, I think brioche is that little toast with the tomato stuff on it. Um, you're right that it was a misquote. And she was very upset about this because it sounded so cavalier, and that's not how she meant it. What she said was, let them eat kale, and it got misquoted. Um, but it was, she was just suggesting a healthier diet um, for the okay. impoverished, let them eat kale. Okay, first of all, brioche is bread. No, it's But brioche. isn't it, isn't it's it the little cake. bread with the, to- the toasted little bread it's, with the. No, with that's the, burrata. Um, no, that's, no, that's not burrata. Burrata is cheese. That's right. Burrata is cheese. That's right. I know what you mean. You mean the little toast with the olive oil. <laughs> no, with the, t- like the tomato ceviche yeah. on it. That's bruschetta. Yeah. That's bruschetta. Bruschetta. That's right. Okay. Isn't brioche that Swiss toy making company? <laughs> no, that's brio. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, look, I have a quote. In my research, she already did one, and it's already so. No, and it said so Marie that Antoinette said, said let, the, let them eat toys. That's not nice. She said, she Well, mentioned de la brioche, translated as let them eat cake, but she didn't. She said, Let them eat amouche bouche. They didn't. <laughs> and, and, yeah. and Bonnie, there's no way that you can twist brioche into being cake. I'm going to have Tony, I'm looking it up, and but I think Tony will Brioche is a it. type of bread. <laughs> no, she said. But it's, no, the French translation. What's the a French? It's a brioche. I'm just going by what Brioche is a French word. <laughs> okay, no. She said, let them eat crudite. And then she <laughs> gave that line to Dr. Oz for his campaign. Let's keep oh. rolling. You know what? We're going to work back in reverse order to, to, so that we can end up with a grand finish from Paula Poundstone. Tony, Anita Hall, do you have a second one? Yes. A lot of people quote Oliver Twist as saying, please, sir, can I have some more? But what he actually says is, please, sir, I want some more. Ooh. Oh. Huh. Not please, sir. I have some more. Oh, how well done was that? Yeah, that was a good <laughs> reading. Too. It was a very good reading. Very, very good. <laughs> um. Well, that, that was a good one. I have one. I have one. And it, it's from the list of things we can blame on Woody Allen. Um, in the beautiful movie Casablanca. He, he said, wasn't in that movie. Yeah, but he ruined Woody Allen was not in Casablanca. Let me just clear that up. That's Humphrey Bogart. People confuse them. 
I'm, I'm just, I, I can't get on that plane with you. I, it, it makes me nauseous. Um, I'm not good with air travel. You're going to have to go without me. Um, in any case, uh, here, here's what I wanted to say, is that nobody in Casablanca says, play it again, Sam. Sam has not played that song in years. And then Ilsa says, uh, play it, Sam, because she's suddenly reappeared in Casablanca. Um, um, and really? Sam's like, no, I shouldn't. And yep. And then he plays it. And then Humphrey Bogart walks in and says, I thought I told you never to play that song. And then he sees Ilsa and the movie progresses from there. Wow. But so nobody says play it again, Sam. But then Woody Allen entitled a movie, a play that became a movie, play it again, Sam. And then somebody named a uh, bar in Austin, Massachusetts. Play it again, Sam's. Adam, answer the phone. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't want to. Adam, answer the phone. <laughs> Hello? Hey, man, you want to play against Sam's in Austin? It's me, Mike, boop, boop, part of it. Yeah, I know, Mike. Am I, am, I, am, I, am I the 100th caller? You're not. You're the 7th caller and the 6th now. Ah, oh, fuck. Okay, did you ever see Taylor Swift at that bar? Never. Ah, oh, shit. All right, okay. That was Seven before she was born, in fact, in the uh, early 90s. All right, man, I gotta go. I, I, gotta, I, just, I gotta make 63 more calls. All right, thanks, Mike. I won't be answering the phone. Bye. All right, uh, Paula, you're here to bring us home with, with a great misquote, and then Bonnie will take us out with a less inaccurate theme song. Uh, okay, Bonnie Burns once said... No. <laughs> 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 I, what do we have to lose? That was I mine. Did one of mine. What do we have to lose? Yeah, I There's don't think that famous you, that quote was, from me. Yeah, I don't think that's a, original. Are no. you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, that's often misquoted. People quote Bonnie as saying, "Are you kidding me?" to her daughter as she as she went by. <laughs> what she I really said was, "Is that what you call riding, biatch?" No. no, she said brioche. I never say that. <laughs> Is that what you call I have riding one more thing brioche? to say about brioche. Here's the thing. I was going to interrupt you in the coda and say it, but I'll just say it now. She said, kill manja de la brioche, which doesn't exactly translate as let them eat cake. It translates as let them eat brioche. The translation has been wrong. You know, I have an idea for a new for a new segment. Languages from around the world with Bonnie Burns. You are gonna break me, Burns. It's gonna happen. I'm I can tell. I'm sure my French. I got quell right, but M A N G E N T. I'm sure I didn't say right. All right. Hey, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, that brings us to the end of our very first and possibly last misquote yes. party. Misquote party, misquote party. I love a misquote party. You know, I'm wondering if we should, if there's going to be enough room on our regular email account for all the requests to do misquote party again. I wonder if we should open, if we should have like a specifically misquote party email. That's a very good point, Paula. And But until we do get that new account, um, if you want to request further uh, misquote parties or if you have any questions or comments, drop us a line at nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. Hey, Paula, what's going on in your Poundstone product empire this week? Adam, house plants 
are what gets a lot of people through the dark days of winter. I just want to remind listeners that buying warm waste or castings for your plants is a wonderful way to give back for all they give to you. As it happens, I have a worm farm. Email me at Paula at PaulaPoundstone.com, and for $4 per pound plus shipping, we can get your plants the good stuff. For $30 plus shipping, I'll send you a pound of worm waste, or castings, plus a personalized video where I show you a part of my worm farming process and introduce you to the worm that I name after you. Email wow. me at Paula at PaulaPoundstone.com. Of course, listeners who miss the sound of my voice... Can <laughs> light up. Uh, they can stream my album, Paula Poundstone Goes to College, for one night, and Cats, Cops, and stuff. And there's tons of polyphonalia at the shop at PaulaPoundstone.com. I like that you couldn't even buy the premise of Miss the Sound of My Voice. <laughs> Listeners, hey, you know what? You know what? Now that what? you say that, I just want to say this one thing. Which is, uh, I just love our listeners. Okay, you know, occasionally, yeah. occasionally I'll bump into somebody, even sometimes when I'm on the road, sometimes somebody is wearing a nobody listen to Paula Poundstone sweatshirt. And they're just, they're just so much fun. Uh, and, and so thank you, uh, those of you listening, for being our listeners. I agree. Yes, indeed. We do love you, everybody. And, um, Hey, if you're listening, follow us uh, on, on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. We'd appreciate a review if you can. It's not like we haven't asked enough of you already if you just sat through Misquote Party. But if you do have a little extra in the tank, definitely write us a review. And that's our show. Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone is hosted by Paula Poundstone and yours truly, Adam DeFelber. Special thanks to our guest, Jill Schlesinger. Great. And thanks to our house band, Andra Bonet. Woot, woot. Oh, yeah. Woot, woot. Thank you, Andrew. Our show is produced by Paula Poundstone, Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, Ken Lezebnik, and Julie Berkobian. Edited by Vic Lowry. Feel better, Vic. Starburns production by Land Romo. <laughs> transcription services for the show provided by TranscribeMe, a premier internationally used transcription service. Use code Paula Poundstone when placing your order at transcribeme.com to receive an expedited service. That's our show for tonight. Won't somebody please listen to me? Uh, Adam? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I love our listeners, but I don't think we ask that much of them. Well, we ask them to listen. Have you ever yeah. heard our show? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, sometimes, nice. Sometimes when I'm... Bonnie, you're not here. Well, yeah, I couldn't Bonnie, help it. That was reflexive. Okay, well... You can have that treated. Um, you're not here. Uh, I don't think we ask that much of them. They could, they could review the show, you know, yeah. positively. They could positively review the show. Yes, I've listened to our show before. But what my point is is that we, you know, our listeners provide real content for us with all their fantastic emails, and uh, you know, we we sometimes have entire segments where we're reading their stuff. Yeah, I don't. You know what? Everybody's got to. Put an oar in the water, for God's sakes! We we can't just we we can't carry everybody all the time. They gotta share a little bit, and you know what I mean. They gotta chip in. They write show descriptions and theme songs. Yeah, yeah. They do your laundry now, that which is weird. No, they don't do my laundry. You know what that reminds me? Now that you mentioned laundry, and I'm so glad you did. Um, 
I've been using these sheets, these laundry sheets, um, instead of laundry detergent that you pour in that comes from a plastic bottle. So I'm trying to get rid of, you know, plastic in my life. And um, so I've been using these sheets that come in a cardboard envelope. And when I put them in with my cleaning cloths, my my bar mops, um, a lot of the bar mops end up in the filter. And when I put them in with my underwear... It makes holes in my underwear. My underwear starts out being basically like a pup tent, like a a rugged material, Uh high-waisted, thick high-waisted kind. But by the time I take them out, it's something that was created at, you know, that store that I hate. Paula, it it sounds like these sheets are not really good. I think I'm just doing it wrong somehow. Are you using the washing sheets or are you using uh, sheets of sandpaper? (laughs) Ah, shit. I'm so glad I... I had a chance to talk to you. You know, sometimes you and I don't have enough time to talk because, you know, know. Bonnie is. Yeah, she's <laughs> getting involved. She can't keep going. Always. Yeah. She's jealous. She's jealous. Yeah. She says it, it's reflexive. Yeah. It's reflexive. Yeah. yeah it's you think I'm going to jump in right now, but I'm not. <laughs> that is jumping in, Bonnie, and you're not. I know. It just seemed like it was a natural opening to say No, that. it's not. We were literally Honestly, saying that we were glad you weren't here. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize you were still there. Yeah. Let that meat cake. Let that meat brioche. Um, she didn't um, say that. No, she's okay. such a linguist. <laughs> so this is a Winston Churchill quote. Whether it's accurate or not, I don't know. I see a bright future where Gary Oldman plays me. Oh. <laughs> 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 a podcast network.